Welcome to the KB Preview Podcast. This is episode 8 of season 4 in Old Money, but all the cool kids are calling it the second of our two special episodes from KBB Birmingham 2022. I'm your host as always, Andy Davis, and I'm still here. I've been wandering aimlessly for the entire week since the last episode came out. The KBB show is finished. I'm now in the International Lift and Escalator Expo 2022. If I'm honest, it's a very up and down show. Not really. I'm still at the KBB show as I record this, and in this episode, I'm going to carry on with the themes of last time by asking people about the importance of getting back face to face, their current views on the market and where it might go in the future, and of course, what's going on with the availability of products. I've got to be honest, I've been sticking a few dishwashers in my pocket as I wonder past people's stands. Make a few bob. Now, last time you may remember there's a definite positive vibe coming from the manufacturers that there is light at the end of the tunnel. But retailers were still seeing very real issues on the shop floor. So let's see if some other people agree. Luke Harding, General Manager, UK and Ireland for Electrolux. Luke, you've got a big stand here with AG. How important is it for you, do you think, to get back in front of people, like face-to-face, after what's happened in the last two years? Absolutely crucial, and it's been so exciting. The build-up to KBB this year has been so exciting, the arrangement of it, bringing people to the stand, uh, planning the stand, getting in touch with all the retailers to say that we'll be here, and it's just a delight to come here and see it all come to life and see people interacting face-to-face again. Appliances in particular, I've had an awful lot of trouble with supply chain issues. I think that's the elephant in the room in this particular event. And obviously these are global issues. It's not just limited to one brand or another, but clearly it is still an issue you have to deal with. Where is Electrolux AG here and now in your supply chain management? We, look, we've made great improvements, actually, through COVID, and we're, we're seeing improvements, but it doesn't get us away from the fact there are still global factors at play, such as the shortage of microchips. And that's the main challenge at the moment. Actually, our factories, we have capacity. Outside of DISH, we have capacity. We're, we're working really hard to keep up with the demand. But, of course, the uh, shortage of microchips continues to be a challenge across the industry. We haven't um, shied away from that. And one of the things we've done a really good job of is getting very close to retailers through the last two years, communicating much more in-depth. Uh, and likewise, retailers with us, working together to get through these, get through these challenges. As you say, there are global issues at play here, right? It's not a, a, a brand issue, and I think suppliers are working very hard to try and sort these things out, so I'm not, let's, let's carry out everything with that. But how confident are you now with the information you are giving to retailers? So to you, fundamentally, in the UK, you're a sales and marketing organisation. How confident are you in the information you're getting to be able to pass on... We're confident in the information that we have. Of course, the challenge is that that's ever constantly evolving. So, for example, th- instances such as the ship blocking the canal, uh, how, do you, how do you predict things like that? Microchip shortages are very hard to predict because it's a global phenomenon. However, in terms of the command we have on our internal information, that's better than ever. Uh, because we've put in place resource, we've put in place new systems. I mean, we have a, a webinar, for example, that communicates with all of our premier partner kitchen studios on a regular basis to yep. update them about stock availability. We have a, um, a supply specialist that's dedicated to kitchen specialists in the UK now. So an additional uh, resource put in place to communicate stock shortages, availability, 
we've extended some lead times. That's not to say that it isn't without some challenges, but I think we're in much better command of the information than we have been before. Yes, I think this has been an issue now for 18 months, to, and you know you have to adapt and change your systems and processes accordingly, don't you? You can only do you can only do what you can do. And I think communication was one of the initially one of the biggest problems that people had. Literally, they're getting told one thing and then it turns out to be something else because of just the unpredictability of what's of what's going on. Do you think your relationship with your retailers has changed throughout this process? Because obviously you were making a big push for independence before that to break a competitive market in the one that you're in. Do you think you've improved your relationship with them, that they've become closer to you as a result? I think we have. I think we've strengthened our relationship. Of course, early on in COVID, there were challenges. We, we, we all know that. But I think the things that we put in place, such as the regular the portal information that we place on our AEG portal that's just for kitchen specialists to access, the, uh, the webinars on a regular basis, the supply chain specialist that we've put in place that just manages kitchen specialist supply chain. We've got a very robust allocation process for stock. We understand the importance of having stock available for kitchen specialists and the importance of having a set available for when they install that kitchen. Of course, there's still challenges. There's still things that catch us all out as an industry or things that uh, were unexpected. But I think we've got closer. I think there's an understanding now and I think the communication is flowing better in both directions. This is a very broad question, but how do you decide who gets what when? Because you've got your independents there, obviously, and they're ordering I don't know, three or four things at a time. And then you've yeah. got big, big uh, national accounts with, with big retailers as well, yeah. who are clearly all probably, assumingly, ordering hundreds of things at a time. Does one get preference over the other? How do you decide? How can you possibly decide? It's a very difficult task, um, and that's why we have to have a, a very clear allocation process in place internally based on uh, lead times. So, of course, the longer lead times that we can get, the better. And we prioritise based on the consumer. So we, we think of ourselves as a consumer-centric organisation, and that means, of course, for a kitchen specialist, the consumer has ordered earliest, so they would get the priority. It's not to say that it's not still without some challenges, but that would be our priority. Yeah. I mean, look, it's very difficult, a yeah. logistical exercise, and I can't even get my head around it. You know, you're the, the guy in charge in this country. What have you learned, do you think, as a leader through this process? To compress years of experience into months' worth of, of working, you're making decisions in a day that would normally take months. What have you learned from the whole thing as, as, a, as a leader? Communication is absolutely key. Mm. Whether that be commu- communication internally with our own teams or whether it be communication externally with our partners such as kitchen specialists communication uh, and we've invested a huge amount into that so we've put additional resource in um, we have regular online webinars where we can where we can communicate stock situation or training um, and of course agility so I'd say communication and agility I know agility is a bit of a buzzword at the moment because we've all been forced to be agile but for sure the quicker that you can pivot and sense what's actually happening and then putting into place a plan the better so what's your view then of the state of the market here and now? Shows like this gives you an opportunity to sort of snapshot things, don't they? So what's your view of how things are? We've come off the back of a big boom. Where are we here and now? Challenger, I'm optimistic. I'm right. still optimistic for the market. I think that people will spend more time at home. Obviously, we've been stuck in our homes for the last two years, but I think that will continue. That trend will continue. Of course, we all want to get out and about more often, but for sure, people are going to be working from home more often than they were pre-COVID. 
and that means that appliances, kitchens, bathrooms are going to be used more. I think consumers have fell in love with their homes again. Rather than just a place to be, it's a home again. It's, it's somewhere to entertain. It's somewhere to spend time. And I think that trend will continue. I think, I think the consumer will continue to invest in their home. So I, I'm optimistic. I think we're in a great place in the yeah, industry. Yes, I mean, I think there will be a dip, but we're dipping from a very high of course, point, aren't we? Of course, yeah, I agree. I mean, we've, got, we've been in this boom. But I think from, from my point of view, I think we'll stabilise at a position that is in a stronger position than 2019. I think we have to because people will spend more time in the home, and I think that's great for this industry. Which is really positive. Yeah. Of course it is. And I think, you know, maybe when we look back several years from now, we'll realise that we've been in quite a privileged position, really. I mean, for all the problems that we've had, it's a very nice problem to have, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's been a great problem to have, and especially when you compare it to those first few months of COVID, mm. where I'm sure a lot of people were looking at the market and looking at what was going on, complete shutdown, and we were wondering how this would pan out. Um, none of us have lived through a pandemic before. So to come now off the back of a year to 18 months of real boom is, uh, is a very privileged position to be in. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, Luke. It's so interesting to, to get the views of a big brand like yours, particularly for the guys in the big chair. So thanks so much for your time. Pleasure. Thank you. Luke Harding, the man in charge of Electrolux here in the UK, and I think it's a pretty candid assessment of how companies like his are not only trying to solve the issues in supply, but also adapt them, learn flexibly around the day-to-day. Really interesting. Ashley Munden, and I'm the General Manager, Managing Director for the EMEA Region 4 on behalf of Insyncrator. Right, Ashley, you're here at the show, uh, really nice stand as always. How important is it, do you think, to get back to these kind of face-to-face things for a brand like Insyncrator? I think it's uh, vitally important. You know, we've really missed uh, the face-to-face contact with our customers over the last couple of years. I think most people have. I think it's important for us to show that we're supporting the retail trade. And for us and my staff, you know, we want to connect with people. We want to talk to people. I think we want to show that uh, you know, Insyncrator has got a lot of fresh news. We're very vibrant as a brand. We've got a nice story to tell our, our retail uh, customer base. And, uh, yeah, I think also it really is about supporting the industry. I'm pleased to see that there's a lot of really nice stands here. A lot of brands have come to the show and supporting the show. And I think that's really what this, uh, this industry needs, is support and manufacturers to get behind it. So what is your sort of snapshot view of where the industry is at the moment? Yeah, I think... I think most people will say that the market's very buoyant. It has been for a while now. And, and of course, hybrid working, you know, everyone's saying that more people spend more time at home. They want to spend more money on uh, doing refurbishments at home and to have a, a nicer environment to spend all of this time in. I think that's what's happening. There is a great demand for consumer goods. We're seeing that. And, of course, you know, Insyncorator is no exception. You know, we, we're extremely busy. We're receiving huge orders on a very regular basis I think this will continue for some time I, I, it probably will plateau I think it's fair to say it's going to plateau at some point in the near future but I do think that the industry is, is, is in a good place right now and I think that I look at the housing market and how buoyant the housing market is and I think there's a real trend now to spend money on the home and to provide for a more comfortable living and a lifestyle Yeah, and one of the things that it really has been it's not pushed to one side, but it doesn't get the, the attention that it should do still because of what's happened with COVID and because of what's happening elsewhere in the world. And is the sustainability agenda. The Insyncrate has always been a big part of your story. It's been that sustainability thing. 
uh, you know, how important is that to you still? Is that still something you're going to be focusing on pushing forward as we go into the next sort of 12 months, 24 months? Yeah, I think this is a, an important subject for any responsible company, any responsible brand. But of course, consumers are driving this as well. When consumers are looking toward what to buy for their home and how to make decisions on products that go into their new kitchens, you know, very much these decisions are now based on, you know, do they have eco-credentials? Am I being sustainable in the way I'm thinking, in the way that I'm shopping? This is the core message for Insyncorator. When you buy an Insyncorator product, we are closing that circular economy. You know, you, you buy a food waste disposer and the, potentially the food waste can reach the wastewater treatment plant where it can be turned into natural biogas. And they're great advantages and these are products that people want to buy and want to own in their homes. And for surface sure, I think, uh, again, if you're a responsible brand and company, you've got to be having that at the forefront of innovation and product design. One thing that's interesting about this sector is that it's how, how do these products help people live sustainably day to day? So you can talk an awful lot about how recyclable that tap is or how, re- how recyclable that worktop is or whatever it is, but you can have that kitchen for 20 years, right? So I, I think that's the bit that doesn't necessarily register with the consumer yet, is, the, is, the, is, is, is what to do with it at the end of its life. If you're buying something that's brand new and you might have for years. Yeah. But with something like the, the waste disposal, it's a very much a day-to-day thing is it's, 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 it helps them live sustainably day to day. I think with the food waste disposal, what we're actually doing is we're changing people's habits. We're changing how people operate in the kitchen. Now, of course, the kitchen is the hub of the house. We spend a lot of time there socialising and being with our families and friends. But when you have a waste disposal, you use it every single day. You can choose to use it a food bin. And by the end of 2023, all households within the EU will be offered a food bin. So this subject is going to get an awful lot more exposure very, very soon. But certainly for us, you know, you use your disposal every day, you divert it away from landfill, and you do something really good, which is to say you could potentially create this biogas and you're closing that, that full circle economy gap. So for us, yeah, changing habits... Consumers need to buy products that I think work differently for them in the kitchen, and uh, I think the brief has changed as mm. to what we put into our kitchens as far as specification. Yeah, I think it's true that the use of the word habits is just right there, I think, because it is about day to day, not yeah. you know, 20 years' time. Obviously, one of the big topics while we're walking around here is availability of stuff, mm. you know, the sort of supply chain issues that have been dogging everybody. Where does Insyncreator sit in that in just terms of what is available, getting stuff from A to B, and, you know, when a retail places an order, they're going to get it when they need it? Where, where, where do you stand with all that? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Insyncreator are like every other manufacturer or global manufacturer in that supply chain has been challenged. You know, there's a, a huge shortage we know of chips and boards around, around the world components, the, the lead times of growing for components. I think that combined with this, this huge demand that, that we are seeing and many other brands are seeing, yeah, it, it's changed how manufacturers have to, have to operate now and we're having to work within that. We have gone through some challenges ourselves as Insyncorator. Fortunately, we're coming out of that now and uh, hopefully within a month or two's time, I hope to have most of our parts available on a, on a regular basis. But, uh, but for sure, I think it would be uh, wrong of me to say that, no, we're not like everybody else and that uh, in some cases, a case of we're selling what we have available rather than what everybody wants at this moment in time. Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? Because obviously it affects absolutely everybody. I think yeah. one of the issues was it's the reliability of the information, I think, is part mm. of what's, what's been the issue. Yeah, the idea that 
even you don't know when things are coming. You can only work on the information that you're giving. Mm. Do you see that improving across the board, that the communication you can put out to your dealers, to your retailers, is as accurate as accurate can be? I think manufacturers, especially within their supply chain departments, are focusing very, very heavily now on supplier availability. Mm. There's a lot of work being done, new systems being implemented to track and to monitor this. And yes, you're right, for us it's important that uh, we keep our customers as informed as we possibly can, so we're managing expectations. But certainly I think that there's a lot of learning to be done here with this, and I think that, yeah, we're, we're some way away from it being resolved, the supply issue on components, but, but we are making great inroads at Insyncorage, I have to say. Yeah, and again, it's, it's affecting everybody, this isn't just an Insyncorage. It, it absolutely really is. So, look, this is very hard, this is the hard question, actually, you ready? Because this is the crystal ball question. You're the guy in the seat who's got to plan for things, you've got to project things. Is that possible at the moment? What do you see coming in the next sort of 24 months? Of course I don't have a crystal ball, that's fair to say. But really and truly, you know, I think that the market will probably plateau uh, at some point. This, this demand can't continue at this pace forever. But I do personally feel that we're, we're in a very privileged position where our market is buoyant. I think our products fit really well into what consumers are looking for now in their new kitchens. The hot water taps... You know, we've never seen demand like it. We're, we're, you know, it's a huge part of our business. And, of course, we're probably one of the largest domestic producers of hot water taps in the world, globally. And certainly disposers, disposers fit with the needs of consumers in managing food waste and managing waste generally in the home. So I think for us, there's that demand that's driven by what's happening right now globally, but also I think more than that, uh, the demand is driven by the organic growth that we are seeing in particular for our two categories. So you're very confident that the level of the market we're seeing now will continue for some time to come? I think that, uh, I say, it will plateau. Uh, I think that uh, we might see that coming into uh, end of 22, into 23. But I still feel that with hybrid working, if the housing market continues to be buoyant as well, um, I think that you know, I think the industry is, is in a, a good place. And uh, just coming to the show, to KBB now, I'm getting a really strong feeling from retailers and uh, everybody is, is very buoyant and very positive about the business. Brilliant. Thank you, Ashley. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was Ashley Munden at Insincorate. It's really interesting, actually, that they're going all in on the sustainability message. There isn't a lot of that here. There's a bit, but there's not a lot. And really, I think it will take the power of big brands like Insincorate to get consumers interested and engaged enough to put it near the top of their list of considerations in a new kitchen. Or bathroom, for that matter, obviously. I'm Richard Hibbert from the KBSA. Now, Rich, you're here with a big presence for the KBSA this year. Give us a reason why you've gone so big on it. Well, we've, we've worked for the last five years on getting the relevance for the trade sorted out, and now we're ready to rock and roll, really. We've got another five-year plan coming up, and it's uh, the growth of members, and this is the start of it, really. And have you noticed people, you know, talking to people here today, that they're much more interested in joining organisations because of what's happened in the last two years? Yeah, it's been a big part of it, but I think as well we've become more relevant and they've seen how we've backed them during the last two years and also what we can offer them going forward. So it's, it's, it's been a bit of a renovation for us. Now, obviously, you're also a retailer, obviously. So how is business for you right now? What's your snapshot of the market as you see it here in Aspen? It's pretty crazy. I mean, being here for four days is 
is a little worrying. I'm out of the business a little bit, but it is crazy and difficult. It's difficult circumstances because supply issues and the fact that customers have got no patience anymore. But I can't complain because we're crazy busy at the same time so yeah, it's, a kind of, it's a nice problem to have I suppose yeah. isn't it? but what's your view from the shop floor because I've been talking to a lot of people about supply issues today obviously and so the message I'm getting from quite a few is look it's still difficult but it's starting to iron itself out a little bit you know we can rely on the we can rely on the information that we're giving out a little bit more are you seeing that on the shop floor we are I, th- I think we all know a bit more at the start of it it was like oh well we've got a date so it's coming and then we quickly realised that even if you get a date it's not coming and 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 pretty much that you only know it's coming when it's in your warehouse. And we're in a lucky position that we can buy stuff in, we can pay for it, we can store it. And now we're rolling and lead times are going out, but also our fit times are going out. So we're kind of in line a little bit more and we know what we're doing and we can prepare people for it. So it's kind of knowing where we are has allowed us to... Is it, so are you more confident in the lead time information you're being given? Is that the big difference? Um, I wouldn't say we're more confident in the information. I think we're more confident in, in the fact that we know what is going to happen. Mm. It's that we, we know that if it's 10 to 16 weeks, it's probably 20. Right. And that we can plan for it and order early. And, and we know the situation now much better than we did before. And what does that mean for your cash flow? If, you've got, if you're making sort of big bulk, bulk orders by your, by your standards, what does that do to your cash? I think lucky we're busy and we're a 33-year-old company that we can afford. We've got the warehouse and we've got the cash to probably pay for it. Um, I do feel for a lot of people who haven't got the warehouse capacity and the, and the cash, and it's obviously cost them to store. But luckily we're in a catch-rich situation at the moment, and, and being busy helps with that and taking deposits and things like that. But I'm, I'm speaking to new dealers and new people in the area, and it, it is tough for them. And, and We're just lucky we're in a positive situation I suppose. And how about the conversations you're having with your customers when they are, you know, obviously when someone comes in they want their dream kitchen, well how do you have that conversation with them and what are you telling them? Well we've always been completely honest with people so we've always said to them look, order, we'll get it in as quickly as possible but it still might not be in when we come to fit and we can't really agree to that but we're being completely honest but it still doesn't mean that when it gets to it they go yeah yeah that's fine and then when it comes to it in 15 weeks later they're they're not fine so we're managing that but being established and again buying stuff in straight away has helped we're still getting the odd problem but we're we've been supplying people with espresso machines where they haven't got a coffee machine we've got a few dishwashers that we're going temporary and then swapping so it's not ideal, but... It needs a lot of loose threads on yeah, different projects, don't it? which is a pain, but yeah. we're dealing with it. So, and how do you feel... You know, there's lots of manufacturers and brands here in the room. That's what this is all about. Do you feel that they're getting to grips with it a little bit more in how they understand it? They're finding workarounds, perhaps in the products that they make or the products that they're supplying. You know, how, how, how do you feel that they are... Because it's a global issue that everyone faces. You can't knock them to... You know, they're no. trying their best through it. So are you, how's your... What's your assessment of how they're starting to cope with it or, or starting to deal with it? Um, I, th- I think there's more honesty out there for sure, um, even to the point where people are saying, look, I don't know, and that's fine. As long as we, don't, we know that they don't know and, and we can tell that we don't know, it, that's fine, and we can be honest about it. Um, and I think people are dealing with it better and being more realistic. But, yeah, I explain to my customers, if you want to buy a car, it's a minimum six months on, and it's expensive. If you want to buy a computer, 
it's 18 weeks. If you, you know anything you want to buy with electronic components, it's the same. So we all understand it. You just got to be the best you can be and be completely honest. And so, how important do you think it is in general? For people to get back to face to face in this in this kind of environment, if you deal a lot with independent retailers in your KBSA job, it's a very isolating thing, and it certainly exposed itself as that during the, yeah. the lockdowns, didn't it? How important is it, do you think, to get back to, to collectively talking and face to face type things? Uh, it's massively important. I mean, our KBSA members, when it comes to our conference, say the networking is the best bit, and just seeing a few people today and the smiles on their faces coming out, it just gives you all a lift, I think, and, and just everyone who's in the same boat as you and, and can have a chat where you can't you're not necessarily as honest and as you know over a phone on a Skype or a, a Zoom call and things like that and it's just nice to get in front of people it's, you know, it's just and so look it's really hard for anyone to plan or predict anything but KBB 2024 where do you think we'll be? Well hopefully the world will still be <laughs> here. here and uh Peace will be out, but um, I think we'll be in a much better place stock-wise because everyone's planning for it. They're, you know, they're they're ordering ahead of schedule. It's, it's got to get better. Um, I, th- I think, in a way, I think things will be simpler. There's so much technology and so much product choice that is probably too much out there and I think we found with dishwashers when they've gone look guys we can't provide 15 different dishwashers we're going to provide six and concentrate on it it's made our jobs a little bit easier and I think I think we've worked out a bit less is more so maybe maybe that will help future predictions and, and things but I think I think we'll be on a much better and do you think the experience of the last two years has made retailers think differently about the suppliers that they have and the relationships they have more of them, less of them, what do you think? Definitely, I mean we, luckily over the f- last few years we've reduced how many suppliers we've got and we really want partners that work together with us so we can give them enough and they can give us enough and that's definitely helped you've definitely seen the ones that haven't performed and you probably knew about it but you you probably kept them on for, for whatever reason as a small independent I mean we're, we do about one and a half million now which isn't isn't tiny but it isn't huge in yeah. terms of, of, of global pretty businesses and things. But yeah, yeah. pretty typical but if we get if we had 200 suppliers we can't really give any support to anyone so actually by reducing it down and, and doing that it becomes it becomes nicer as well you know more friendship more relationships and things and but that's why I think this is important. I think there is a lot of opportunity out there for suppliers to pick up new retailers, oh, isn't there? Because, yeah. they, because they are looking maybe in, in a way that maybe they wouldn't have done before, particularly for new brands or brands that they feel really support those retailers. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating, isn't it, what's, what's happening here, yeah, I think. There, there that's, that's much more of the thing to me here today than new products, because there aren't a lot of you know, no, not, pro- spanking new products, but you wouldn't expect that after the two years to do that. No, but I've definitely seen people more open to conversations than they were before. You used to see people almost like head down, run past the stand, and they're, they're certainly more open to conversations with all sorts of people, even people they don't know, where the comfort, you know, you look around here and there's certain brands you don't know, but you're having that conversation now because it's... Because you, you just don't know. know. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, look, Rich, thank you as always for, for your time, and I'll see you through the week. Yeah, cheers. Richard Hibbert, the chairman of the KBSA and owner of KSL in Sudbury. Again, very candid views on how everyone is having to be flexible, adaptive, fluid when it comes to getting jobs faced. 
It's also good, I think, actually, that more and more retailers are looking at organisations like the KBSA or even buying groups like the Christ or MHK, who are both here, to get to know all the retailers better, to share experiences, see the value of strength in numbers. It's a pandemic for you. Matt Phillips, Head of UK Operations, Rockpont Cushion. Uh, you've got a great stand here. There aren't that many kitchen furniture, full kitchen furniture stands here. How important is it for you, do you think, to get face-to-face, get back in front of people again? Hugely important. The last two years have been very challenging. Um, this is our first opportunity since KBB 2020 to get in front of customers. The product has moved forward in so many ways from specification, design, features, benefits. And the last three and a half days on the stand has shown us the demand that people wanted to come touch, feel and see all the new innovations. And it is fantastic that you can feel that anticipation of people wanting to see something different or something new. What's your view of where the market is right here and now? I think it's in a good place. The demand, talking to retailers, we've obviously been asking the questions of how they're finding business. We have customers up and down the whole of the UK. And everybody still seems really buoyant. You know, we've all seen the, the demand for home improvement over the last two years of people that now lifestyles have changed, whether still working at home, working flexi time, flexi hours. Mm. The home and the open living space has been more important than ever. And, and people are aware of it, do their research and want to see what's new. Are you thinking then that the, the lockdown boom, for one of a better phrase of calling it, is going to carry on going? Is it going to dip to a plateau? What's your view of where it's going to go from there? Signs at the moment is the boom is still there. The demand is still there. It would be in a great and ideal world if we could bottle it and spread it out and all, all, all manage it accordingly. That would be the best solution. But there's, at, the, at the moment, there's no sign of it continuing. My gut is, do I think it will continue probably maybe for the next six, eight, ten months? Yeah. And I think at some point it will need to, will need to level out. And what do you think the industry has learned from this boom? Because I think there's been a big change in the way people approach things like just in time, yeah. for example. I think there's been a big change in sort of the technology aspects of, of things, of how re- retailers in particular will adopt the technology a bit better. So do you think there's, in a weird kind of way, the industry might positively benefit from the experience of the last two years? Absolutely. Rock Punk is a brand during lockdowns, after lockdowns have been more in touch with our customers, with their needs, helping, supporting them as a business. Um, you know, we're a big part of the majority of the showrooms that we supply, either their sole furniture supplier or alongside a another. And we, we like to support them, whether it's training of how to do virtual online presentations, um, health and safety requirements, keeping them up to date with our current lead time so they can manage projects accordingly and meet their customers' needs. And I think that we've definitely learnt lessons that we'll use moving forward. 100%. It's, um, it, it's put us in a very strong place to look at the businesses and overall learn and offer a better service. Supply chain is one of the big topics here, while everyone's here, you know, there's a, there's a lot of issues around that. What's the current status of, of Rockport? So our current lead time is slightly above where we were 18 months ago. Um, we're still on an eight-week lead time for a turnaround. We're on top of the supply bits in Germany with regards to materials delivering the product. In relation to the opposite of our industry with appliances, um, you know, we're still hear some stories as we go around and talking to retailers. But because of the demand and a number of our customers are working a book so far in advance, yeah. the lead times that we're currently seeing are easily manageable and, and customers are fine and happy. And you're confident that the, the information you're giving people about lead times is what's actually going to happen? 
Yeah, we do a weekly notification to our customers every week to inform them. So if there's a spike, a demand, or even if there's a, a product that hasn't come in on time and there's a, a, a delay, um, we notify customers and give them the opportunity to tell their customers because that, that's where the issues that I hear on my travels as I go yeah. around is the lack of information. Yeah. And as long as you tell a customer and they are aware and they can pass that information on, and I think that, again, is, is just the communication of the information that's available is probably the most important bit. Um, you can manage it. And when do you see, predict, when this kind of thing might get back to normal? Yeah, what's your view on... on it's crystal ball. Yeah. Crystal ball. Yes, it, it, it's a tough one, because I suppose it's a double-edged sword. Because as long as the demand that I've just mentioned that's still there, okay. how do you predict that demand and how long it will be around for? We do everything within our power to manage for, for our customers... But again, just to, to previous answer, it's just about the information that, that you get. And it is almost, you know, you said just in time. It's just dealing with the information as it comes in. But the hardest thing to do is to try and predict. And you're stitching together lots of different factors, aren't you? Because the factory could produce all the doors you like. But if you haven't got a guy in a truck to drive it somewhere or they can't get it over the channel or whatever it is, it's, there's so many different bits in the chain where it can fall over. Absolutely. So it isn't just about production. Yeah. It's about logistics as well. You can only control so much. Yeah. You know? And probably for the last two two and a half years Brexit then we go into a global pandemic mm. we've, we've managed it all even from the new customs declarations that we take on board ourselves so our customers don't have to worry about it we deal with all the administration the paperwork the declarations so it's kind of been a, a seamless transformation into a new process and then obviously then you've got the demand on top of that um, but you're right, yeah, there's challenges at every corner, whether it is the logistics side of it, you know, with everything that's going on at the moment as well, you know, fuel price, energy costs, it's a it's never-ending battle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, look, get your crystal ball out again. Yeah. 2024 is the next time the show is on. Yep. Where do you think we'll be in 2024, do you think? We, we like we like to gauge as much as we can, and to answer probably the, the, the crystal ball's a bit foggy and hazy, yeah. we experience last year double digit growth 22% as a business I don't see that as being moving forward every year that the success we'll we'll see could we continue at a double digit growth more manageable if the demand slows 100% I think the demand's there Um, I think KBB 2024 will be in a stronger place we'll have a number of new dealers that will be into the Rock Punk family you know we'll continue to innovate with the product push things forward introduce some new lines new marketing schemes so I think we'll be in a strong place I'm sure the market will be in a strong place and um, yeah the hard work to get to that starts now brilliant thanks so much Matt pleasure Matt Phillips from Rock Punk there as I said not a huge amount of kitchen furniture brands here at the show Matt's clearly loving every minute of that well, that's it for me. That's it for KBB Birmingham 2022. So do I have any conclusions? I think, firstly, I honestly think this has been as good a show as it was possible to be, given the circumstances, actually. A lot of big brands pulled out for lots of different reasons. But it's interesting. I've seen many people from all those brands here wandering around the hall. So, so maybe they'll be drawing their own conclusions about their decision. The visit numbers, when they all come out, I'm sure will be lower. But those that came here were very engaged, actually. And I haven't heard one exhibitor on or off the record say that they haven't had a good show. So that must mean something. I do think that the market is still in recovery mode, actually, and the availability of product is still obviously a huge issue that I can't see resolving itself for many months to come, and even then it will be a gradual improvement. There's just too many links in that chain to give a sudden jump back. Ironically, the biggest thing that will help that will be the fallback in demand that's coming. I think the boom can't continue, 
the news out of Ukraine and all the economic fallout from that will dent some consumers' confidence and maybe that will get the KBB market back to a more normal, whatever that means, trajectory. Who knows, though, certainly not me. I can only give that classic journalistic conclusion of only time will tell. Thanks for listening now. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with a more normal episode. Well, again, whatever that means, I'll see you there. I'm off to find a cup of tea.